all of you and other volunteers, whether they're Democrats, independents, Republicans, conservatives, or liberals, to care for those hopeless souls roaming our streets and in our suburbs and parks, the emotionally disturbed, the homeless, and our animal friends and our animal family members. To you, you help me push that agenda. You help me introduce this to our population. That you can be compassionate, caring, concerned, and yet still promote a law and order platform to bring safety to our streets, our subways, our parks, and our schools. So understand this, unlike a former president who said many, many years ago, you won't have me to kick around anymore. You will have Curtis Sliwa to kick around. I have been a human piñata in this race. You know this was like starting a marathon, 26 miles, and I didn't get to start until the 22nd mile was completed. The deck was stacked against me. And yet, even though I proved to everyone that I could go into neighborhoods where the only Republican they ever saw was Abraham Lincoln on a $5 bill, and be accepted, received, and given equal treatment, we have to carry this movement on. We were able to take it into every public housing project, every neighborhood with tenements, every subway line, every subway station. We are providing a new direction. We are the new face of the Republican Party that's desperately needed in New York City. And if there's one thing you know about Curtis Sliwa, I never give up. I never surrender. I never retreat. One thing I've learned in this campaign, because I was the last person to declare, had no money, it was just three men in a room, soon to be joined by women, and we built this campaign from scratch. One thing that I have learned is that I have been responsive to the people, not the power elite, the people. We're not going any longer to the power callers who control most of the decisions to take place in the city. We are going to empower the people. I said time and time again, I do not trust politicians, regardless of what party they're with. We are promoting populism, initiative, referendum. Let the people make the choices. We pay the taxes. And although, obviously, I don't like defeat, although I've been knocked down before many, many times, think of it tonight. This pales in comparison to our heroes, men and women, cops, firefighters, sanitation workers, healthcare workers, teachers who've been fired, who have no paycheck, can't sustain their families, cannot go out and get any other work, 
These heroic men and women, when the lockdown and pandemic came, crawled into the belly of the beast to save lives. We applauded them every night at 7 o'clock. And what have we done to them? We've relegated them to a point where they're zeros, like the police were relegated when they defunded the police by a billion dollars. I am telling you, I am going to continue to work on their behalf, promote their cause. We must right this wrong. We must make, must make sure they're rehired, that they get back pay, and that once again they're put up on a pedestal. Think about their feeling tonight with their families as they watch this broadcast. Although we don't like defeat, we cannot let our heroes down. We must embrace them. We must lionize them. We must continue to fight for them so that they know they are not abandoned. So in closing, I hope all of you will join me on this mission, because it is a mission. And it did start back in March when I declared for the mayoralty of the city of New York. You knew I was an unorthodox candidate. You knew that the power brokers of New York City were not supporting Curtis Sleeper. You knew that I was a product of the subways, the streets, the public housing projects. You knew that I was a man of the people, embraced by black, white, Hispanic, Asian, gay, straight, transgender. It doesn't matter who the people of New York City are. They know me for 42 years with the guardian angels, risking our lives, protecting people. this point who have helped us on this mission 
And there are so many here on the stage that I can recognize. But before I recognize them, let me tell you, I learned a lesson this campaign. Even though we have a lot of yellow cab drivers who are on a hunger strike to save their life, to save their equity, to save their medallion, and we feel their pain. We're not talking the oligarchs. We're not talking those that own multiple medallions, the hardworking men and women in the yellow cab industry. But I got to tell you guys, I think I'm staying away from yellow cabs. Got shot five times in the back of a yellow cab on June 19th to 1992 on the orders of John Gotti Sr., the John Gotti Jr., and the Gambino crime family. Took a licking and came back ticket. Last Friday, as you know, outside of Radio City Music Hall, while running to WABC, got clocked by a yellow cab, and I could swear as I flew six feet in the air, I looked through that window, and I thought I saw Bill de Blasio driving behind that You know, three times may be the charm, so I apologize to all yellow cab drivers. I have an aversion to yellow cabs, and I think I have a reason why. But let me thank a man who helped put this together from day one. He had led in the George Pataki campaign. Let me thank the former governor, George Pataki, for being so supportive. He had been involved in many other national and local Republican campaigns. Let's give it up for Rob Cole. Also here, we have my oldest sister, Alita, who put together Democrats for Sliwa. Next to her, Carmen Quinones, who I've known many years, who helped with our NYCHA outreach and many of the public housing projects that we have patrolled. Let me uh, thank Mr. Harvard Oliver for having come on board early on in the process and giving us a lot of policy direction. Let me uh, thank James and all of our staff and volunteers who have done a magnificent job. There's been a one-man band who's been with me every step of the way. I supported him for state senate, and he lost, and is feeling exactly the way I felt and I feel now. He ran a magnificent race in Brooklyn, and he's been with me every step of the way, not only in Brooklyn, but in all five boroughs. Let's give it up to Vito Bruno. And to all the nameless and faceless individuals out there who contributed to my campaign, we had the most contributors and the smallest number of donors in terms of the amounts that they could donate. Elderly, blue-collar working class, lower blue-collar working class, and sometimes poor and indigent people who were supporting us because they said, Curtis, we know you. You're compassionate. 
you carry. You reach out to the people who have no representation. And I swear to all of you, on the grave of my father, Chester, and the grave of my mother, Francesca, we will carry on in that tradition, as they taught me. Learn the lesson. Do good things for people, and good things will happen to you. Don't ask when, why, or how it will happen. And the answer to problems is not always government. Government can help, but most times it's selfless service. It's about doing what's best for us and we, not I and me. We were not birthed into this world to just benefit ourselves. It's ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And when that day of reckoning comes, think to yourself, are you going to be able to say, I've done everything I possibly could for those who could not fend for themselves? My mission, for whatever time I have left in this world, and I don't know how much time I have because I'm like a cat with nine lives, and I think I've used eight of them. My mission has become your mission, and now we need to multiply it, as I did the Guardian Angels when I started with just 13, in 1979 as a manager in the Bronx, and we're now in 13 countries, 130 cities, with 5,000 volunteer members who don't carry guns, don't wear bulletproof vests, and risk their lives every day because it's the right thing to do. Now this mission is broader. do what government has refused to do. Care for the emotionally disturbed, care for the homeless, care for our animal community. And most important, when he's gone with his wife, when de Blasio and Charlene are out of our lives, and it can't be too soon. the money. Where's the one and a quarter billion dollars from Pride that was supposed to be used for the emotionally disturbed, the lost souls? Show me the money. And let's make sure government is accountable. It's our tax dollars. We want to help the poor, the indigent, those that can't help themselves, our animal friends. And let's stay on the case of government to make sure they're selfless service and not self-serving. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it.
twins separated at birth. Just kidding. Don't print that. I'm so happy to be here this evening with you all. And on behalf of the family, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for everything you've done. Somebody said the champ is here. And without further ado, let's welcome the 100th and 10th mayor for the city of New York, Eric L. Adams. Team, the team told me, the team told me to come through the back, come around the stage, come directly in. And they said, this is the way we want you to move. And I said to them, I'm the mayor. And if they only knew the level of energy I get when I walk in your crowd. There are days on this journey when I was just so depleted. 
and tired and just weary. And historically, I was able to just go out to Queens and sit down with mommy and she would re-energize me. And then when mommy transitioned in April, I will move among you somewhere at a train station, at the grocery store, walking inside the laundromat, or just going to some of the barber shops late at night in Brownsville and Best-Eye and go inside when they, when they finish cutting hairs. And we just sit there and just talk. You don't know how much you fuel me. You just fuel me every day. And let me tell you the uniqueness about the fuel that it's a Shakespearean tragedy that many of you don't know. It doesn't matter if you are in Borough Park in Hasidic community, if you're in Flatbush in the Korean community, if you're in Sunset Park in the Chinese community, if you're in Rockaway, if you are in Queens in the Dominican community, Washington Heights, all of you have that power to fuel us. We are so divided right now, and we're missing the beauty of our diversity. We have to end all of this division of who we are, where we go to Russia, what do we wear. No, today we take off the intramural jersey and we put on one jersey, Team New York. So New York City, brothers, and sisters, and I just need to pause for a moment because it's so important for me to do this. Five people I must acknowledge, and I'm gonna acknowledge all of you within time, but there's five people I must acknowledge. First is my sister, Ingrid Martin. Where, where's Ingrid? If I can quote one of the most philosophical genius of our time, Drake, started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> Her husband and I were rookie cops together in the police academy. When her son was born, her husband gave me a picture of him laying on his chest. I put that picture inside my police hat. And every time I went on patrol, I looked at him. He's now a grown man, he's adult now. But it reminded me of what we were doing every day that we were on patrol. And she never, never left my side. Never left my side. No matter how challenging it was, she fought. She built a foxhole. When she ran out of bullets, she picked up rocks. When she ran out of rocks, she picked up dirt. When she ran out of dirt, she just dug a tunnel. But she never left my side. And I'll never forget what she has done for me throughout this entire journey. Amazing, amazing woman. Second is my man, Nate. Nathan. Yeah. 
trusted him with my whole campaign. And I said, listen, you work it out. And no one is going to get in your way. But one thing's for sure, you bet not screw it up. <laughs> Stayed up night, two, three, four in the morning, calling him, talking to him. Just call him from time to time and just say, I just want to know how you're doing. And just spending time bonding together because when you are in a battle, there's someone that you have to trust and expose yourself to and know that they're not going to take it and sharpen it and turn it to a knife and hold it at your throat, but they're going to be there throughout this entire journey. That's who he was and I appreciate you for that. And the man that captured my voice, captured my voice, my brother Evan Steve. Where's, where's Evan? Where's Evan? <laughs> Evan, communication director, all of you know who he, are, who he is. You know how dedicated and committed he has been. And he just played a major role in putting together our communication. And lastly, came to Borough Hall. There was a woman there speaking broken English. Came from Peru. Just wanted to eke out a living for her family. She came into my office one day and she said that, you know, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I just want to give you some advice. And she gave me that advice, and she became the center of Borough Hall. She took over my entire life and made sure that we were able to be a functioning office. And it's so significant, so significant, Adonis, because sometimes we have the tendency to believe that because someone has not mastered our dialogue and our phonetics, that there's a level of ignorance and it's not. It is just the ability to give them the opportunity and they will rise to the occasion all the time. Mastering the sound of English does not make you the greatest leader or the greatest person. And so Gladys, I thank you so much, Gladys. Here we are, New York. Here we are. And I know many of you I want to acknowledge, but I just had to point out of that group that I pointed out just now. <laughs> you know, that's like, that's, like, that's like Mike Tyson. You can't go to the restroom. <laughs> so brothers and sisters and the people of our city, they have spoken and tonight New York has chosen one of you, one of our own. I am you. I am you. After years of praying and hoping and struggling and working, we are headed to City Hall. For a young man from South Jamaica, Queens, who grew up <laughs> the challenges that every New Yorker faces. Tonight is just 
not just a victory over adversity, it is a vindication of faith. It is a proof that people of this city will love you if you love them. It is the proof that the forgotten can be the future. It is the proof that this city can live up to its promise. The campaign was never, never, never about me. This campaign was about this city and the people in it, from every corner and every background in this city. Those who have been left behind and believe they will never catch up. This campaign was for the underserved, the marginalized, the abandoned. This campaign was for those who have been betrayed by their government. There's a covenant between government and the people of our city. You pay your taxes, we deliver your tax dollars through goods and services. We have failed to provide those goods and services. January 1st, that stops, that stops. And the campaign was not just for them, it was by them. I'm so proud of what we have accomplished and I can never repay the hard work and dedication of so many who worked tirelessly to get us here. This is your victory and I will carry your cause to City Hall. This, person, this campaign was for the person cleaning bathrooms and the dishwasher in the kitchen who feels they are already at the end of their journey. It was for those who feel they were there but forgotten. And they also are those who make the city operate every day. They may right now, they may right now be at Rikers Island sitting in the cell or in the precinct sitting in the holding cells. I am speaking to them tonight. My mother cleaned houses. I washed dishes. I was beaten by police and sat in a precinct holding cells, certain that my future was already decided. And now I will be the person in charge of that precinct and every other precinct in the city of New York because I'm going to be the mayor of the city of New York. There may be a young person out there right now that believe they're not smart enough to go to college and to succeed. I did too. But I overcame a learning disability and went to college and was able to obtain, obtain my degrees. And now I will be the mayor in charge of the entire Department of Education. And you may be homeless. You may be living from one shelter to the next. And you may say to yourself that this is my destiny. But I want them to hear the story of my siblings up here carrying a garbage bag full of clothing to school every day because we thought we were going to come home and the marshals were going to throw us out. We know their story. We know their journey. I want them to get the energy from what we are doing today to know the possibilities are there. Where you are is not who you are. We're gonna make sure of that. And that's why I ran for mayor, because I wanted to turn pain into purpose. 
This city betrayed New Yorkers every day, especially the ones who rely on it the most. My fellow New Yorkers, that betrayal stops on January 1st. We're gonna, we are going to make a difference. My story is your story. And I did not just want New Yorkers to hear my story. I wanted them to feel my story. I wanted them to know I am you. The life I live is the life many are living right now. We are the same. This is not about Eric Adams becoming mayor. This is about carving out a pathway so people could, could enjoy the prosperity that this city has to offer. And so, you're going to find some blemishes because I'm perfectly imperfect. And the city is made up of perfectly imperfect people. That's the combination that is going to allow us to create a perfect city where we leave no one behind. That's the city we're fighting for. So this is not my moment. This is the moment for the people who have hit the bend in the road. A bend in the road is not the end of the road as long as you make the turn. Tonight, we are going to make the turn and take our city in a new direction. And I also believe all of us together can accomplish this task. The past two years have been hard. Even New Yorkers, the most resilient people in the world, we've had moments. We had moments of doubt. I'm clear on that. We took a hit. We watched as Midtown turned into Ghost Town and our parking lots became morgues. Trailers filled with bodies of our loved ones and family members. We saw the most vibrant city on earth reduced to silence. First of all, the inequalities we already faced were deepened and widened. Then violence erupted, knocking us even further backwards. And as we stand here tonight, there are hundreds of thousands of New Yorkers without a job than there were pre-COVID. But when I think about those setbacks, I also think about how far we've come. I think about those who gave everything to get us here. And it gives me hope, and I want you to have hope. I want you to believe again. Believe again. Let's walk differently. Let's hold our heads up. Let's have a step in our pace because we are New Yorkers. We must believe in who we are. So I think about Percy Sutton. I think about Shirley Chisholm and David Dinkins and Dennis DeLeon. I think about Larry Kramer. I think about Peter Yu. Those were revolutionaries who won wars without firing one shot. I think about my fellow officers and firefighters every day New Yorkers who lost their lives saving others from the Twin Towers. And let me be clear on this. I'm not creating a division between my firefighters, my police officers, my EMT, my teachers, my other civil servants. We are in this together. We will find a way to get through this together. No division. No division. I think about the nurses and hospital workers who went to their job every day during the height of COVID. 
rising above the fear and uncertainty. And the reason I know so well what they were doing, because when others fled, I led. I went to those hospitals, I visited them. I delivered PPEs and food. I was with my TA employees. I was on the ground with them to let them know I'm not elected to be served. I'm elected to serve. And I'm going to serve the people of the city. And I think of mommy, a domestic worker. And my siblings are here with six of us. And I say it all the time as much as I can. She loved them all, but she adored me. She's an amazing woman, single parents, all over the city who struggle day in and day out for lifetimes with only one goal, to create opportunities for their children that they never had. And that's what mommy did for all of us. She watched us continue to develop into responsible adults. And she had to do it on her own because the city was not there for her. And I will never forget that my glory And I will never forget my glory. My glory is not my story. I only had a badge as a cop because my mom used a rag and a mop to create better future for me. I think about those heroes of New York and I'm inspired. I am lifted up on the wings of their spirit. And I'm reminded that we owe them a great debt of gratitude that can only be repaid with our belief in each other and our city. We will betray those who are on the front line for us. If we don't believe in the greatness of this city, they sacrifice themselves because they believe in that. Now it's our opportunity to once again believe in who we are. We will need the strength. We face a three-headed crisis. We are fighting COVID, crime, and economic devastation all at once. So we're going to invest in each other. We are going to lift up those who are struggling with childcare, healthcare, and affordable housing. We're going to launch an unprecedented job program to link out of work New Yorkers, not just with jobs, but with skills and training. And we're going to talk, here it is, because this is very important. We're going to talk to the CEOs of our city's biggest corporations and ask them to offer paid internships to students from undeserved communities. <laughs> listen, listen folks, we have to get this out of our head that our CEOs in this city don't want to participate in the uplifting of our inner city. The problem is we haven't gone there and asked them to do so. So it's time to build bridges that we've destroyed in the past. We need each other. That's what we need in the city. We want to turn our economy around by reaching our hand out to the businesses, business world to grow the companies we have here while attracting new emerging industries, life sciences and cybersecurity, and with a blue collar green jobs initiative that boosts our economy while making our city more resilient. 
Every job we create in corporate America must be a pathway and pipeline to the inner city. We have some talent in NYCHA. Just get out of the way and give them the opportunity to fill these jobs in the city. And we're going to do this, particularly for the women who are in this room. We want universal child care. Universal child care. We all know what happened. When mothers stay home to raise the children, their careers are stymied. They don't get promoted. They don't get the opportunities. Our child care, universal child care, is not going to be daycare of just sitting in a room somewhere watching TV. We're going to build into our educational opportunity to develop these young minds before they get to pre-K and 3K. We're going to do it early, and we're going to give mothers doulas so they can learn about nutrition and what they need to do when that baby is born. If we don't get this right, don't let anybody kill kids you. If you don't educate, you will incarcerate, and we don't want to incarcerate our young people. And we're going to get the safety we need and the justice we deserve. They go together. By driving down gun violence and crime from our streets, while we drive our biases and bad behavior from those who are tarnishing the shield. And how dare people ask me, do I sit down and talk to gang members who are trying to get their life right? You darn right I am. You darn right. You do an analysis of those gang members, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find learning disabilities, dyslexia. You're going to find all of those mental health issues, the problems we ignored and betrayed those young people for, produce what you're looking at. You're seeing the hate that New York has created, and it's time to stop that hate. But let's be clear, let's be clear here. As I talk to my gang members, January 1st, the conversation stops. You won't shoot up my city. You won't stab young people in school. You won't sell drugs and guns on my street. I am extending an opportunity to get out of gangs and get in a job, get in a school, become gainfully employed. We're not going to just talk about safety. We're going to have safety in our city. If we do these things, then New Yorkers will be able to fulfill their dreams. And that should be the goal of government, not to preach, but to provide, to allow people to reach their full potential. Sometimes, folks, we're going to succeed. Sometimes we're going to try and we're going to fail. But damn it, we're not going to fail at trying. That's something we're not going to lose at. So let me be clear as I stand here before you with the heart filled with hope and purpose and love for this city. Looking out over this horizon and seeing you give me hope. This is our moment. This is our opportunity. This is our moment as a city. And I tell you something, in four years, this city is never going to be the same. Never going to be the same. Once we move forward, we will never go back. We will never go backwards. We will never go backwards. We will never go backwards. 
because America is the only country. We're the only country on the globe with dream attached to our name. There's no German dream. There's no Polish dream. There's no French dream. But damn it, there's an American dream. You don't leave a nightmare to come live in a nightmare. We have to allow those 10 million dreams to come alive and to benefit from what this country has to offer. And January 1st, that's the promise. That's what we will accomplish. So tonight, I have accomplished my dream. And with all my heart, I'm going to remove the barriers that are preventing you from accomplishing yours. And if I'm allowed to say, in the words of one of the most famous Brooklynites, the owner of Snapple Soft Drink, we are going to win because we are made up of the best stuff on earth. We are New Yorkers. <laughs> I want to bring on my governor, where is she? We're here in the house, Governor Kathy Hochul. We're going to need her. So thank you so much for coming down. Please have a few words, Governor. <laughs> I'm here to declare that there is a new day dawning and a whole new era of cooperation where the only thing where the city of New York and the state of New York are fighting about is fighting to make your lives better. We will fight for you, not fight each other anymore. So I am so excited to have a tremendous partner in Eric Adams as the mayor of the greatest city on this planet. I will be your ally, we'll fight for you, and we'll get the job done. Thank you, everybody. And so I want, I want to close out as we move on and give a special thank you to Tracy for her patience, her dedication, her commitment to the city, withstanding all of the incoming, all of the criticism, allowing me to be me. And to my family that's here, they will all tell you it's hard to be the sibling of Eric Adams. Thank you. Congratulations, New York. Let's win. Yeah, yeah, I'm out 